From the Christian Research Institute in Charlotte, North Carolina, you're listening to the best of the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The mission of the Christian Research Institute is to equip believers to answer life's essential questions soundly and persuasively, and to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. For more information, go online to equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Bible Answer Man host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. It is, as always, a pleasure to be in studio as we answer your questions throughout the United States and Canada. I'll give our contact information, and then we'll go right to our callers on the web, equip.org. Via the mail, it's Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. And as always, a resource consultant standing by, 888-7000, and the letter C-R-I. A lot of you hanging on. We'll go right to... Our callers, Aliza, first in Lake Ozark, Missouri. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's great to talk to you. Well, thank you for answering my call. I have a question about false teachers. Um, I recently found out that a pastor in our area, um, who is the pastor of a Disciples of Christ Church, does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't believe in the Trinity or in the virgin birth. Um, when asked, when I asked him who he believed Jesus was, he said he was a very good man, um, a very wise man that had a close relationship with God. And when talking to another person in the church, they had said to me that because he has not taught this in the church, and that he has not said those things in the church, that he would not be qualified as a false teacher. And I guess I wanted the, your perspective on that and how that works. Well, he is a false teacher because he's made his views known. Upon inquiry, this is what he said, and this is essentially undermining the essential of essentials with respect to the historic Christian faith. Jesus asked the mother of all questions, who do you say that I am? And if you answer that Jesus Christ is but a good man, a good teacher, but not God, what you have done is undermined who Jesus Christ himself said he was. He said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen God. Not only that, but the Bible's very, very clear in many different places, I think of John chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Second Peter chapter 1, or even this famous passage, Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or rulers or powers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, you can't have a stronger statement about the deity of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but the very works of Christ during his earthly ministry attest to the fact that he is, in fact, God in human flesh. He had the power to do miracles 
that no human being could do in and of themselves. He had the power to lay down his life and take it up again, thereby demonstrating that he is God. And this is another thing that the pastor is denying, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, how central is the resurrection? Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and your preaching is worthless. And even those now who have died are lost. They have no hope of being resurrected. So if, in fact, there is no resurrection, what does Paul say? Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die. In other words, grab for all the gusto, because in this worldview, the worldview of the pastor, this is all there is. And in terms of the virgin birth, the virgin birth is an essential of the historic Christian faith. We believe it because the Bible teaches it, and the Bible can be demonstrated to be divine as opposed to merely human in origin. So the pastor has denied the very heart of Christianity and therefore is legitimately designated a false teacher. Hank, one last question. So knowing this, is it in my, for lack of a better word, right to point this out to other people in the church? Or am I in the wrong to do that? No, I think that you are in the right to point out that this is a pastor who denies the essentials of the historic Christian faith and therefore is not a pastor of sheep, but rather is a wolf in the sheep pen. Okay. Well, thank you for that. You got it. I mean, look, we have to hold fast to the essentials of the historic Christian faith. Why? Because on the essentials rests the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the North Star by which the Christian church sets its sail. And this is the line of demarcation between the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of world religion and cults. So this is not a trifling matter. This is a matter that strikes to the very heart of Christianity. This doesn't mean that you have to treat someone unkindly, but when someone puts themselves in a position of leadership in a, quote, Christian church and denies the essentials of what is Christianity, then that person is no longer fit for the service of the king. And what they will do is they will fleece the flock, certainly from a spiritual standpoint. Okay. Appreciate your call. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Ladin in Germantown, Tennessee. Hi. Hey, it is an honor to speak with you. You have been a blessing to myself and my wife for many, many years, and I just want to thank you for this wonderful show that you have each day. Well, thank you. It's a privilege for me, and it's great to talk to you. Yes, sir. Hank, there's a scripture, uh, Ephesians 5 and 19, where the Bible talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This scripture has stumped me over the years because it's difficult for me to differentiate between the three. And so I'm hoping you can give an enlightenment as to uh, the definition of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in the context in which scripture is using them. Sure, yeah. Singing psalms is a magnificent means for intercession, instruction, and the internalization of the Word of God, because the psalms are in the Word of God. 
And then you have the great hymns of the faith. They have stood the test of time. They're rich in theological tradition and truth. A mighty fortress is our God comes to mind. So these are hymns that have been sung through the ages and have deep meaning. And they were written by people who had a depth of faith, a depth of spiritual grounding, biblical acumen, and the like. So you have the Psalms that come directly from the Word of God and great hymns of the faith by men and women who were raised up by God to write these wonderful hymns. But also we have spiritual songs, which in turn communicate the freshness of our faith. So it's crucial that we preserve both a respect for our spiritual heritage as well as a regard for contemporary compositions. The one thing I always say is we have to be wary of some of the newer compositions. And the reason is, is there are many people today writing spiritual songs who are not grounded in the scriptures, grounded in the faith. So you have to be wary and you have to be discerning. Obviously, there are benefits for worship choruses, but so often they tend to reflect values of popular culture rather than Christian principle. And so they shouldn't be bought into unquestioningly because there's so much going on in our culture that it has to do with instant gratification, intellectual impatience, ahistorical immediacy, incessant novelty and the like. So the lack of intellectual rigor often causes, as has been well said, the newer spiritual songwriters to give an immature exposition of biblical doctrine or an immature exposition of the Christian faith. So again, hymns are great because they've withstood the test of time. Psalms come directly from Scripture, and spiritual songs can be wonderful, but again should be tested because of the fact that so often they reflect the culture rather than Christian value. So we would be correct in assuming that the spiritual songs are actually authored by the individual themselves, maybe as a result of prayer and fasting or or what have you. Well, sure, and the hymns of the faith as well. But again, the difference between the spiritual songs that reveal the freshness of our faith and great hymns of the faith is the hymns of the faith have withstood the test of time. So they have undergone the searchlight, as it were, of scrutiny from a theological perspective. And oftentimes, spiritual songs that are new and catchy and all of that, we buy into uncritically. So there's nothing wrong with it as long as we discern what we're singing. Hey, thank you very much, and may God continue to bless you. You as well, and coming up to a station break, we'll be back on the other side of the break with more answers to your questions, so please don't touch that dial. One of the biggest mistakes people make is assuming that totalitarianism can't happen in their own country. Many American Christians are making that very mistake today, sleepwalking through the erosion of our freedoms. The new book, Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher will snap you out of the slumber and equip you for the long resistance. To receive your copy of Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents, call 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit us at equip.org. That's equip.org. Hank Hanegraaff will be back right after this. 
The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing, and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources, along with a complimentary subscription to the Christian Research Journal, are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. God spoken? Are the words of Scripture merely human in origin, or are they in fact the very words of God Himself? Three years in the making and based on two decades of research and reflection, Hank Hanegraaff's monumental book, Has God Spoken?, answers what is surely the most important question facing our world. In Has God Spoken? Memorable Proofs of the Bible's Divine Inspiration, Hank counters the contentions of the Bible attackers and clearly shows that belief in the Holy Scriptures is not a guess or wishful thinking. It is the only logical conclusion after an honest examination of overwhelming evidence. Order Has God Spoken? from the Christian Research Institute by calling 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. Equip Org. Now back to the Bible Answer Man broadcast and your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. And let's go right back to the phone calls. Charlie next. He's listening in Arkansas. Hi, Charlie. Thank you for taking my call. I've recently run across a situation in my church uh, that I'm fairly a uh, new member of, and we are studying the treatise. And in there, it had a section on the Holy Spirit, and uh, the preacher was saying the Holy Spirit has a soul. And I had never heard that. And I was just curious what... You can tell me about that. Well, I can't tell you much about that because, first, it does not cohere with how 
the scripture speaks about the Holy Spirit, nor does it cohere with what the creeds of the Christian church say about the Holy Spirit. What we know about the Trinity is that there is one God, Christians are fiercely monotheistic, revealed in three persons, the person of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are eternally distinct. Now, as I've said many times in the broadcast, this is a truth, a salient truth, that I can apprehend because that's what the Bible teaches, but I cannot comprehend. So the nature of God, which is ineffable, is something that is forever beyond our ken. Even in eternity, we will continue to learn and grow, albeit without error, more and more about the nature of the very one who saved us by his grace. So we know about God in terms of his self-revelation in Scripture, but I think to go beyond that with permutations or platitudes or phrases that are appended to God, I think is a dangerous thing. Well, I agree. And uh, like I was saying, he said that that is what gives the Holy Spirit his personage was a soul. And I thought, uh, no, I, I have never seen any scripture to support that myself. So, And that's the beautiful thing in terms of how you're approaching this. You're testing what is being said in light of scripture, holding fast to the good. And there's nothing in scripture that would warrant that designation. Well, he did quote uh, a, uh, a verse and I, uh, I'm driving right now, and I don't uh, have available that scripture. It was along the line, uh, my uh, soul is grieved, and I think it was pertaining to either Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit, one of the three, saying their soul was grieved. Yes, and this certainly can pertain to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it does, but you also have to recognize the metaphor that is being used. Jesus is deeply grieved, and so that metaphor is used to communicate the depth of his grief and anguish, but it is not used to, in any way, try to communicate that the Father has a body, a soul, and a spirit. The Son has a body, soul, and spirit. The Holy Spirit has a body, soul, and spirit. As many aberrant teachers have taught, like Benny Hinn, who went so far as to say, therefore there are nine in the Godhead, because each has its own personal body, soul, and spirit. Uh, This is simply nonsense. And again, it's thinking about God in a way that goes beyond how God has taught us to think about himself. Uh, Exactly. I I agree completely. And that's one question I asked him. I said, well, now, if the Holy Spirit has a soul, does God have a soul also? And uh, he avoided that question. And, you know, the context I saw in that scripture was that Jesus was talking in the human perspective that his soul was grieved. And uh, there again, you know, I looked at my, you know, the way it was uh, spelled and in my Bible, you know, that it, uh, when it refers to the Godhead, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit or God or Jesus, referring to He or them, it's capitalized, and, and that was not capitalized. <laughs> so uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Thank you so much for your call. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Tom in Seattle, Washington, KCIS. Hi, Tom. 
Hey, Hank. Evening. Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. I've got a um, head injury, so I apologize. Um, sometimes <laughs> I'm working with a deficit after a uh, brain aneurysm. Mm. Um, so if I fall off track, you'll know why. I've got a question I'm trying to um, repair by study, uh, not only myself, but I'm working with my kids and my grandkids. And uh, we love your Bible Answered book, by the way. That has been, that's been Grandpa's gift the last several years. Mm. The question I have is in Isaiah 49.16 specifically, and I don't have my Bible in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. But I believe it says, Behold, I have carved you in the palm of my hands. Is that essentially talking about the Lamb's Book of Life? I'm trying to tell my grandsons and my sons, I, I think it's one in the same word, where if you acknowledge God, he, he writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life for eternity. I think that's a very astute observation on your part. I mean, it is two ways of speaking about the same thing. It means that you are his and he is yours, and that God knows those who are in his hand and no one will snatch them out of his hand. And so it is a way of communicating that you are a participant in the kingdom of Jesus Christ and therefore your name is etched in his hand or written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So again, a very astute observation on your part. I, I appreciate that. Um, for me, it's thanks to my mom. She brought us up to have a relationship with Jesus, and uh, I have built on that my entire life. Thankfully, uh, I walk and talk with him from the minute my... Thank you again, Lord, <laughs> for, for uh, Life Flight and the Harborview and, and neurosurgeons that knew how to repair. A, um, I had a, an aneurysm oh, break in, oh. my, in my head, so it's like a stroke. And um, thank thank God for Doctor's hands and and, and his uh, well Doctor Jesus <laughs> blessing their hands and skills. Tom, let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for Tom for his call. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless and use him for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. Lord, may your hand rest upon him, and Lord, may he have peace in the midst of life's storms. We pray this not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit, in Christ's name. Amen. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Shelley in Thousand Oaks, California. Hi, Shelley. Yes, I had a question, and I can't find this number anywhere on the Internet. Do you know what percentage of Americans embrace New Age ideology? Well, I don't think you'll ever find a number, and the reason is that defining the New Age movement is not a simple task. The New Age movement is composed of people coming from a vast array of independent traditions and persuasions. Now, Eastern and occult mysticism do provide the basis for their values, especially the belief that everything is essentially one and that this one is God a view that is known as pantheistic monism. But, but New Agers are also committed to the vision of an upcoming period of universal peace and enlightenment, 
They call it the age of Aquarius, where the entire population will be composed essentially of New Age believers. And there has been a resurgence of paganism in our time. But again, it is a multifaceted kind of a movement, and therefore it's very, very hard to delineate any kind of a specific number. Again, it's a kaleidoscope of occultic beliefs and practices, including reincarnation and channeling and all kinds of forms of divination. So very, very hard to put a number to. Yes. I understand completely. I was just trying to get an idea of the scope of it, and I thought, and you're an eloquent speaker. You put that so well. Thank you so much for your input. Well, you're welcome. And one side note, according to the Pew Research Forum, one in four Americans believe in reincarnation, which is one of the tenets of the New Age movement. Also, the Pew Research finds large numbers of Americans engaged in syncretistic religious traditions. And this is certainly a syncretistic tradition. I wish I could take more calls, but we're out of time for this edition of the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Again, my deepest appreciation to those who stand shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. You can join the monthly CRI support team online at equip.org slash donate. When you do, be pleased to send you one of my books personalized to you, a family member or a friend. Again, check that out on the web at equip.org. Again, we're out of time for this edition of the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Thanks for standing shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. Look forward to seeing you next time with more of the show. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Answer Man broadcast. In today's post-truth culture of confusion, the Christian Research Institute exists to equip listeners like you with answers to communicate the gospel of hope to a world in desperate need of life and truth, because life and truth matter. In addition to truth, we want to equip you with life, not simply to know about God, but truly to know Him. Experiencing union with Christ enables us to live life not merely by our own energy, but with the energy of the Lord Jesus working powerfully through us. For more information, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. You can also write CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28271 or just visit us online at equip.org. That's equip.org. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. 
Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org.